0: So there's some exciting news on the She-Ra front that happened this week. I think we should congratulate our DreamWorks friends because She-Ra is one of the nominees for Best Animated Series at the Critics' Choice Awards for 2020, which is really, really cool. Uh, The other nominees are Big Mouth, Bojack Horseman, The Dark Crystal, The Simpsons, and Undone. I am delighted that Big Mouth is there. You know I love Big Mouth. I am perplexed. That Simpsons is there.
1: I was going to say, you stole the words right out of my mouth. Bojack Horseman is uh, very gripping. It's, you know, it, it's not doing as much for me as it used to, but it's still an incredible um, show full of just a whole lot of gravity. And Dark Crystal, when it dropped, it's all everybody was talking about. It was so beautiful. And then The Simpsons, though. What the heck?
0: (laughs) It's like one of those things where like when an ancient band, like when the Rolling Stones release a new album, they get Grammy nominations, even though like who is listening to new Rolling Stones records.
1: Right. Like I'm willing to accept a scenario in which it's it's just secretly amazing. And I didn't know that. But I've heard literally zero people I know say anything about it. And I have friends who are pretty in touch with what media is cool right now.
0: Yeah, I have seen some recent Simpsons episodes and I would not say it's amazing. I think it's slightly climbed out of the nadir it hit in, you know, maybe the early 2000s. But it's still, it, I would not call it like compelling television.
1: I'm just surprised. I mean, is it is it the fact that American viewers are just defaulting to watching it because it still exists? Once they started losing major actors, I figured they would pull the plug just to Gracefully,
0: I mean, I, I think that's a good point. It's it's like when your car gets to a certain age, you just like love it because it's still going. Maybe that's or your grandma. That's horrible, but maybe that's the Simpsons. Maybe it's like morbidly watching because God, it really has been like thirty years.
1: Yeah, I remember being a literal child and asking for a Bart doll and a Maggie sweater when I was like seven. And the legacy continues, I suppose. I remember some really kick-ass Halloween episodes that are classics. And I guess if you were to say name some cartoons, I'd probably say Simpsons. That doesn't that doesn't mean it's worthy of an award, though. Name a cartoon. It's not the name a cartoon award.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like I've watched more compelling animated shows than that in the past year. Um, I do again want to say I really love Big Mouth and I I wouldn't be sad if Big Mouth won but I really hope for our our um magnanimous friend's sake that Shira takes it home. It really is a pretty exceptional show.
1: I'm obviously pulling for it and I assume this is not the last of the nominations they're going to get this year. I think we're going to hear about a few more.
0: What do you know?
1: Oh, I'm psychic, didn't you know? <laughs> no. Okay, come to my psychic Pokémon Gin and f- Gin? Gin. <laughs> Hold on. Uh-oh. Come to my psychic Pokemon gym and fight all my psychic Pokemon.
0: Are you flirting with me?
1: I, aren't I
0: always? <laughs> oh, this is giving fuel <laughs> to fire out there. In the way that the Shira fandom ships everything, I feel like there must be shippers for us. I've started now- to
1: wonder that because we just got some fan art from JB and seeing us drawn together really makes me wonder... Um, A couple more fan shout-outs, too, before we go to the theme song. Uh, I want to say hello to Aaron, R.N. Aaron, who gave us some awesome commentary about our last episode, um, particularly about Rogelio and the fact that Noelle Stevenson apparently did script that Rogelio speech. And uh, also hello to Knox Gradke, who finally is caught up on our podcast you get to hear your own name now that you're caught up. Hello, friend. This totally isn't me diverting from talking about us flirting.
0: That's a great, mmm, awkward, great accomplishment catching up on our podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, before we hit the theme song, I do want to call something out. Speaking of JB, he um, brought to my attention earlier this week that, unfortunately, um, Marie Fredrickson passed away. Now, who is that? She's the singer of the band Rock Set, who you might remember, I like... A couple years ago, a couple seasons ago, Tongue in Cheekly was like upset that all the She-Ra press was talking about how the theme song was a power ballad. And I'm like, no, this is a power ballad. And then I played the song, Listen to Your Heart by Roxette. Um, The singer of that song, unfortunately, has passed recently. And so, in her honor, I'm going to kick that end-of-episode song to the top of the episode. Uh, Roxette has some really sick jams, and I think this is one of them. So. Uh, Rest in peace, Miss Fredrickson, and thanks for the cool music. Welcome back to Lauren and Eric Eat Pop-Tarts. Once again, I am Eric, and I am eating brown sugar cinnamon.
1: I'm Lauren, and I'm also eating brown sugar cinnamon because we're sharing.
0: Which is even more fuel to the fire (laughs) that we're a couple. Yeah. (laughs) But we're not.
1: Yeah, I feel like probably, um, I mean, I have a partner and I happen to know for a fact that you've been on four dates with somebody. And so because now it's pretty serious for both of us, only now can we joke about this. I feel like that's the threshold that had to be. Crossed. It, it is.
0: It is weirdly specific that num- like you've been on four dates. I don't know why hearing it parroted back to me. Makes me uneasy because I did just give you that information myself.
1: I'm very, very invested. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think we've gotten to talk about it much on the mic, but when it comes to like what we're up to on the dating apps, we have a very rich relationship.
0: (laughs) We do. But you're not,
1: you at home don't get to hear about it. What you do get to hear about is today's episode Princess Scorpia, which I have to say is maybe my favorite this season. This was the first episode that made me shed a few tears while watching it, and uh, not not necessarily the last time this season, but Scorpia really moves me, and I know she's a big fan favorite.
0: Yeah, I think Scorpia is so endearing in this episode in particular. I just want to give her a big hug, and I think, I mean, watching this, I, I keep thinking about what Lauren said a few weeks ago, that Scorpia doesn't necessarily need a friend, she needs a pet, which is the role that Emily serves, but oh man, I just feel for her so hard in her search for, like any kind of tenderness, because she keeps putting it out into the world and no one really gives it back.
1: Yeah, we we see her even give a lot of tenderness and self-care to herself at the beginning of this episode. It's one of the clips that I think we got to see before the season even dropped. It was released promotionally. And I was truly hoping when we saw that promo material that this episode's arc was going to happen this season. I got so much of what I wanted this episode in terms of her history as a princess.
0: But what we're gonna tell you now is that what you're getting in this episode is a little different than normal. So we uh, we did a really great interview about a half hour ago that unfortunately we had to cut a little short because of studio issues with um, microphone amps being blown up, so that's fun. But um, it was a really wonderful interview with this gentleman named Danny Oliver, who is a, a military veteran. Which, um, as Lauren will explain, we haven't talked to on the show before. And so we do talk about Princess Scorpio, but we also talk a lot about kind of, you know, his his background in the military and his reflections on that, and how it relates to the Shira world in general. So this is this episode's maybe a little light on specific Shira talk. So, if there's anything you want to say about Princess Scorpia before we kick to the interview, Lauren, now's the time.
1: Before we get to that interview, because we're going to be a little light on the details of the episode, let's get a summary in here.
0: All right, So, Princess Scorpia. Scorpia is told by Katra to find the recording device that Entrapta had been using to record her research. Because Hordak is convinced that if Katra can produce that device, he can make this, like, ultimate weapon. Catra gives Scorpia this assignment, knowing that Scorpia is kind of tight with Emily. As it happens, Emily is the recording device, or the devices inside of her. And so Scorpia has to make this choice of, what is she going to do? Is she going to sacrifice her new pet and friend, for her old friend's desires, well, she doesn't, but she does kind of fake it. And she decides that Katra is overly cruel and it's time to leave the Horde. Meanwhile, uh, we don't talk about this really at all in the in the interview, but the Glimmer-She-Ra tensions that started to show a couple weeks ago with Glimmer going behind She-Ra's backs are, are really come to a... Ahead, where they they kind of start yelling at each other, um, spurned on by Double Troubles poking the situation in Flutterina, guys, and that is left to really come to a head in next week's episode, My "Mysteries."
1: Yeah, tensions are really high in this episode all around. We see the best friend squad back together and fighting as a unit, and I think some of our characters thought that once the gang was back together, maybe things would get better, but they do not because there's still so many unresolved problems out on the table, including the Horde has some sort of greater plan going on that's very mysterious and we don't know about it and it's frustrating. Um, Dark magic, obviously. Glimmer is using these glyphs and is getting quite violent uh, in her methods. At the beginning of the episode, we see her take great care to not kill or even gravely harm one of the soldiers. But then by the end, she's like interrogating somebody to the point where they're terrified. And that's not that's not supposed to be what the rebellion is about. Um, the tension's happening on both sides, though, because we see Entrapta's memory really haunting Hordak and Katra as well in different ways. I have one question I want to ask you before we play the interview, because I think the interview is kind of going to end up at the bottom of the show. When Katra goes to Hordak and says, we couldn't get the files, something was wrong, they must have been lost, and Trapto must have taken them with her, is Katra covering for Scorpia or is she covering for herself?
0: I, I think given the cruelty she displays in this episode that she's trying to cover her own butt. However, I could be swayed differently.
1: Okay. Another question. What makes a princess? Because Scorpius says, imagine me a princess. And genetically, you would say she is one. She has... She's in the royal family. But apparently in this universe, I think they're confirming that princesshood literally means a connection to a runestone. So if she's not connected, she's not a princess right now.
0: Oh, I kind of took that line as like a little bit of a joke. Like, obviously, she's a princess.
1: Oh, fair. I mean, that is why I asked, because I think that is an interpretation. Like, is this an actual lore thing that we're covering? Or is this just about her lack of confidence in herself?
0: All right, so with all that said, uh, let's go to the interview and to Mr. Danny Oliver.
1: We want to give a shout-out today to longtime fan of the show, Jacob. Uh, We were on Facebook, or I was on Facebook, wanting to get a very specific perspective on this show, a point of view we've never really gotten to speak to before is someone who has served in the armed forces. I really wanted to bring a veteran on to talk to us about their opinions about She-Ra and specifically Princess Scorpia. And Jacob introduced us to our new friend. I would like everyone to meet Danny Oliver. Uh, Danny is a military veteran, had a career of 24 years and is also a writer and developer. Danny, thanks for being here. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself?
2: Oh, well, yeah, hi. So yeah, I'm Danny. Um, military veteran twenty four years uh, specializing in intelligence uh, military intelligence um, I also uh, right now work for catalyst uh, game labs uh, helping them with the shadow run on their missions developer their their sort of living campaign if you will organized play uh, and then I'm also just working on my own writing projects um, now that I'm retired I have a little bit of extra time to do all of that and, and try to get that off the ground
0: Danny I'm gonna start the questioning with something that's not really related to Shira at all, but I'm, I'm very curious because I work in uh, the board game industry. Has your career in the military, like how did that prepare you to write Shadowrun? That seems like it's a really cool um, A to B there, right? Like there, there must have been so much that you're drawing from when you write these role-playing adventures.
2: Um, definitely in terms of, of just kind of knowledge of, especially for Shadowrun being a futuristic sort of um, guns and gunplay, uh, sort of, sort of role-playing game. Um, adding in a little bit of, of that realism sometimes helps. Uh, mostly, though, for for game development and game writing, I've always been creative. Uh, I've been dungeon master for my friends since I was nine. So, um, but as an intelligence uh, professional, um, writing intel reports uh, and then making sure as I as I progressed further, going into editing. Uh, reports written by junior analysts, that's sort of technical writing and the skills of editing and QA and QC. Uh, For Catalyst, I don't write all of the missions. I'm the developer, so I write some, but I have a a pool of writers that are writing the rest, and then I'm going through and editing and making sure that everything fits. Uh, All of the game rules and the technical aspects are in there so that uh, consumers can can actually run the game.
0: That's really awesome. I guess maybe we should take a step back because maybe our listeners don't know, and we always ask very straightforward questions. Obviously there's some parts you can't say, but what in general does military intelligence uh, do? Like what was your position in, in the military hierarchy?
2: Um, I started off as an analyst. So um, of course, you know, whenever you're you're out there doing anything military related, uh, whether it's in a combat theater or even uh, kind of stateside, when you're just kind of keeping tabs on on what's going on in the world, It's a lot of uh, data mining, um, getting all the information that you can uh, and then and then taking that, analyzing it, turning it into useful information and then packaging that information in a way that is understandable to an end end consumer like a a battle commander or a strategic uh, decision maker. What Um,
1: branch of the military are we talking about?
2: So I was in the army.
1: That is what I thought, but I wanted to get it on mic. That's awesome. Uh, how long have you been a fan of Shira, and were you a fan of the original? Um, I
2: was a fan of the original um, He-Man Shira. That's right about the time that I was, you know, making my mom and dad buy all the toys for me. <laughs> and when when the new Shira came out on, on Netflix, I was pretty excited. Um, and you know, you always you always kind of keep tabs on, on what the entertainment news is and everything. Of course, you know, you've got a lot of people that are, that are excited. You've got people that are um, cautious about what changes the, the showrunner is going to make. And of course you have people that are just going to naysay no matter what they do. Uh, And, and personally, I find that I really enjoy the show. Uh, I really enjoy that they, that they made it, um, for they made it suitable for for audiences at, at their target age um, to really kind of put forth uh, some very positive messages, uh, and I really, really do dig that.
0: I love that. So I'd, I'd like to turn a question over to my co-host for a second. So uh-huh. even though it's kind of maybe obvious, Lauren, what about this episode made you want to find someone uh, like Danny to talk to?
1: Oh well.
0: We're talking about Princess Scorpi today, by the way, if you haven't seen the title of the episode yet.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of episodes of she and the Princesses of Power that really focus on the fact that on both sides of this conflict, the Rebellion and the Horde, there are people who were brought there maybe against their will or against their better judgment, But there's also a lot of strong bonds and a lot of powerful friendships. And this episode shows us strong bonds on both sides as well. I feel like we could have talked to a veteran in a great deal of episodes, but this is where we see Scorpia leave. Something inspires her deeply enough that she kind of changes her cause. And I was just really fascinated to speak to somebody about maybe why they joined the armed forces, what brought them there. Dan, if you wouldn't mind sharing, 24 years is such a long time. I admire that very much. Thank you for your service. How did you get into the Army? What inspired you to join?
2: To begin with, um, I'm three generations military. Uh, So my grandfather and then my father were both in the military. My grandfather as as a military police officer, and then my father as a helicopter pilot. Um, so joining the army, that wasn't necessarily something that was just, um, that, that, that people didn't think about in our family. It was, it was something that I definitely thought about growing up. Um, it wasn't necessarily what I was going to do right out of high school, but, uh, what I found at 18 years old was that I still had a little bit of growing up to do, uh, still need a little bit of mom and dad, I guess. And, um, the military was gonna provide that. I was gonna go in for uh, four years, then take all my experiences and do something amazing with my life. Um, and, uh, and then once I got in, I found that it was, it was enjoyable. I liked what I was doing, uh, for the most part, and, uh, and stayed in for a while longer. Um, about a decade in, I thought I was gonna get out. And then, uh, of course, the recession hit around that time. That was about 2007. Uh, and so I stayed in uh, and then just finished up my career.
1: You said it was enjoyable. What was enjoyable about it?
2: Um, the things that, uh, that were enjoyable about it are, are really had a lot to do with the people. Um, I don't know uh, what most people think of when they think of military people, but it's really varied. Uh, they, they come from all over the place. Um, y- you've got a lot of um, diversity Within the, within the army, you've got you've got people from all sorts of backgrounds uh, that are in there, and it's it's really the people that make it uh, make that make it good. Um, there's definitely things about being in the military that are hard. There's things that about being in the military that are distasteful. That that's definitely true. Um, but it's it's definitely always going to be the people. Whether it was uh, when I was a junior soldier, just my peers and hanging out with them, or as I got older and uh, kind of raised up in the ranks, uh, mentorship of younger soldiers uh, and making sure that they were taken care of.
1: It's so heartening to hear you say that diversity is one of the things that you valued about the military. You know, as someone who's never served, I will be the first to admit I've heard a lot of negative things about who does and doesn't belong, you know, it does a does a gay soldier belong? Does a transgender soldier? Belong and it sounds like talking to you that what makes people different was actually quite valuable um, I'm just so happy to have that opinion
2: it, it, it is a thing and and of course the military as as diverse it is it as it is um, It is a relatively conservative organization uh, and and attracts conservative thinkers um, but you know, it can be really surprising sometimes to find uh, where where positive where positive in, input comes from and where where it comes from from the soldiers. Uh, one of my favorite stories um, when when they finally uh, during Obama's tenure uh, kind of passed the passed the regulations to allow transgendered in, uh, they set up all the the legal ramifications and how that worked. And of course, they brought everybody uh, from our unit into a big auditorium to talk about. What were the rules? And they, they, they weren't interested in talking about whether people thought it was right or wrong, agreed with it or not, but what are the rules? And at the end, they opened it up for questions, and of course, everybody had questions, um, and most of the questions centered around, really, people's, people's unfounded fears. Um, and about 10 minutes into the questioning, uh, one, one senior non-commissioned officer uh, real big Bubba looking guy, you know, just, um, country, um, thick accent, uh, Southern accent. He stood up all of a sudden and just, you know, he was, he looked angry. Like he was just about to say something, uh, that was, that was just weighing on him. And, and I thought to myself, Oh boy, here it comes. And he looks around at everyone gathered and he, and he said, he just yelled out. He's like, you know, it's real simple. Actually, it's real simple. It doesn't matter what you think. This is all about treating people with dignity and respect. Dignity and respect. That's the answer to every one of your questions. What if this, what if that? Treat them with dignity and respect. And, and it blew me away. I wasn't expecting it. Um, I wasn't expecting it from, from that individual. Um, and, uh, and it just, it, you know, it stopped all the questioning right then.
1: That's a really incredible story. That's really moving. Uh, thank you for sharing it. One of the big themes, kind of speaking to that in this episode of Shira, is communication. And there's a point where Adora and Glimmer are yelling at each other, and Bo is sort of acting as their go-between, and he says, "Great friendship needs communication. Communication's so important." And meanwhile, in the Horde, we see Katra not telling Hordak her plans. We see the soldiers on the ground, not knowing what Catra wants or if Catra would come save them if they're in trouble. Those people aren't communicating at all. So would you agree that, you know, in the, in the armed forces or, or otherwise, like, <laughs> communication is, is, is just important to relationships and togetherness and the ability to treat each other with dignity? Like, Tell me more about communication in your experiences.
2: Uh, it's it's amazing, actually, how important that is, uh, especially in the military. A lot of people get this idea that the military is a hierarchical organization and the people at the top tell the people at the bottom what to do and the people at the bottom just do it. And that is not a healthy mindset for anyone to have. Um, of course, in training with military, there, There is a point where in, in the heat of the moment, uh, simple actions, simple tasks, they have to be communicated quickly, effectively, and then they have to be acted upon in the moment. There's no time to think about why, where, what's going on, um, but that doesn't mean that once we're done with a training event or after a mission or just in any of the downtime that the whys and and what's going on shouldn't be communicated. And, and in fact, that's built into the military process with what we call an AAR, after action review, where we then, you know, once the training event's over, we sit everybody down and we talk about what happened, why it happened, why it went the way it did, why we needed to do that. And I have always found that individuals who refuse in the, in the military, because people going in the military with that idea and they keep that and they take that with them, they take that I'm the boss. I'm in charge. I tell you what to do. You do it. And there's no why or what's going on. You do it because I told you because I'm I'm in charge of you. Um, whereas my leadership style has always been. If you take care of people, if you make sure that they understand what's going on, if you give them lead when they need it, if you give them the ability to take care of their issues and help them with their issues, when the crunch time comes and you need them to do what you say explicitly without any feedback or or questioning in that moment, they're going to because you've built that trust.
1: I'm fascinated right now because I came into that question really expecting to hear, like, by your metric, of course the rebellion's doing a better job than the horde, but it sounds like maybe it's neither, especially in this episode we see Glimmer, you know, wanting to assert herself as queen, and there being big questions over who's in charge—Shira or Glimmer—but it sounds like uh, all sides of this conflict could really improve in terms of how they relate to one another.
2: Uh, that's definitely that's definitely the case. I agree, um, and just like one of the things I've really enjoyed about the show um, and appreciated is is the humanization of the horde forces of course she-ra and and the princesses they're the heroes um you know they're they're the the good guys and we're, we're supposed to root for them and, and be all about them but when you're watching the horde forces uh they have they aren't just the bad guys you you understand that they have um they have their own personalities to to enjoy they are their own people and and they also have things about them that are that are good and and uh, respectable.
0: That kind of leads me into what I I wanted to ask, which is, do you see parts of your experience on on either or, or both sides of the conflict in this show?
2: Uh, of course. Um, so, of course, the horde is is built more like a, a traditional military force, um, whereas the the rebellion appears to be more based on on personalities so the rebellion you've always got your handful of of heroes and then the horde is is lots of soldiers and their equipment so um yeah we definitely see both sides of that uh definitely see uh how a cadre of leaders uh making decisions works and then we also see on the ground the the forces and then of course we always focus on um on the, the three companions of Catra of and Adora from the, the beginning. Um, and we see the interplay and how that works. And, and, and that all of that reminds me of, of things that have gone on in my career.
1: In this episode, we follow Scorpia. And Scorpia, one of my favorite characters, big fan favorite character. And we learn that uh, she didn't really join the Horde on her own free will. We learn about how the Fright Zone used to be her kingdom, the Horde invaded. I was surprised to hear Fright Zone and Horror (laughs) Hall were actually maybe already called that. That was like Mm -hmm. the names of those locations before evil took them over, Uh, interesting. Uh, But she leaves in this episode. Eric and I were watching this again before we called you, and we were talking about how mean and cruel Catra was. And I was saying, I think she has to be just an insufferable asshole, just completely irredeemable in this episode to really justify Scorpia walking. Scorpia takes so much abuse and she makes so many excuses for Catra. I myself wondered what it was going to take for her to go. And it's the betrayal of Entrapta, I think, that is sort of the last straw, maybe combined with Catra's willingness to dismantle Emily. And I guess what I'm getting to, and if I'm not sure you'll have a story for this, but have you seen people leave the armed forces, leave the army, and why might someone be inspired to do that? When is it time to go?
0: I just want to point out this is season two of serial material, in a way. <laughs> but I think we're going to get a, a different perspective here. And I, I do, guess.
1: I do want to make a big, a, a, a big caveat leaving the army in the context that i'm talking to danny is not defecting to the other side Scorpius super defects to the other side and what i'm asking for is not that right <laughs> although if you have any right. other stories that you can share we'll take them. i would be that would be wild <laughs> but that i don't think so
2: <laughs> one time uh no um th- this actually the the theme is is actually really common in the military um I mean, we grow up. Uh, a lot of folks grow up, and especially folks who uh, you have that sort of soldier worship, that hero worship that goes on. Um, this this idea—it's like the pendulum swung completely the other way from Vietnam, where where veterans came back and they were disrespected and spit upon, and now we've swung the the pendulum to the other side, where you know, everywhere you go, uh, people have to thank you for your service, or uh, you know, we can't. We can't disrespect the soldiers. It becomes a a huge political talking point, et cetera. And and a lot of folks come into the military thinking to themselves, I'm here to defend our freedoms, to defend America's freedoms. And the reality is is that, um, especially in a direct sense, we haven't been defending America's freedoms and and our rights, Um, I mean – since uh i think the last incident would be world war ii when when the japanese bombed pearl harbor um beyond that we haven't that's not what the military has been doing uh what we do is we do serve and protect america's interests um and 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 that's a big difference and and there's a lot that goes on there and some people uh much like scorpia they refuse to see that they they don't open their eyes. Uh, to what that reality is, and they, they just go through thinking to themselves, I'm here fighting for America's freedoms. And uh, maybe there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance there, uh, but eventually for a lot of them, something does happen and opens their eyes. Why am I here? Especially when, when they get deployed and they, they start to think to themselves, why am I here? Why am I in Afghanistan? Why am I in Iraq? Uh, what are we doing in Syria? Um, we think to ourselves, there's, there's nothing that, that ties that to the the defense of our freedoms. Uh, but here I am, why are we doing it? Um, and the answer, you know, a lot of times become oil, uh, our interests abroad, et cetera. And, and it can, it can really, um, push people away from staying in the military. Um, they become disillusioned, uh, And then the the biggest example of this was uh, a friend of mine. He was a a military paralegal. And when President Trump was voted in to office, he set about to writing his 15-page dissertation on why he needed to leave military service. Um, Like he couldn't even stay in through his current enlistment and just get out then. He needed to leave now um because he would not operate under president trump as the commander in chief um it just did not fit with his convictions and his morals and ethics
1: everyone listening to this show knows where i politically land and that's the kind of story that i always wonder if that's happening and even maybe secretly hope that's happening and and it is and it's so wild to to hear <laughs> I, I really appreciate this perspective. We're, uh, we're already getting asked to get out of the studio because we started so late today. But to end our talk with you on maybe a brighter note, I want to <coughs> jump back very quickly to the beginning of this episode where we see uh, beautiful cinnamon roll Scorpia doing these like affirmations in the morning. And she's got this routine that gets her pumped. She's got her stuffed scorpion, the photos of her two moms. What were some of the things that on maybe harder days really kept you going? How did you keep yourself motivated maybe on those days when some of those darker questions came up?
2: For me, by that time, uh, especially in the past 15 years, uh, it's it's been my soldiers uh, as, a, as a leader. You know, once you get in and you've been in for a while, you you eventually attain a level of leadership. And it's about it's about those soldiers. and it's about taking care of them. It's about mentoring them uh, and, and about making sure that they're not being taken advantage of um, a, as best you can and teaching them the skills so that they can you know make sure they set their boundaries and make sure that they know what's right and what's wrong and and how to best operate in in what can often be a really really difficult uh, environment to to navigate through.
0: It's really sweet, and I think it does speak to kind of the larger themes of, of the whole she show, as well as just like being a human person, so great work on your humanity, I guess.
1: Yeah, thank you for speaking with us. We wish we could spend more time with you, but this has been in a, a brief time so fulfilling and so interesting. You've added a color to this show that I don't think we've had before, but as we mentioned, you are now retired. From the military so if our listeners want to catch up with you or take in some of your work or otherwise see what you're doing today where can they find you
2: uh they can find me on facebook is danny yoon uh, i have a page there i'm doing um uh writing a graphic series right now uh that we're doing the art for so that's uh, on patreon uh, again under danny yoon and then uh, i have a twitter account uh Coddlesworth's Clockwork Circus. That is a mouthful. Uh so I'll give you guys the spelling of that. Um and, and yeah, that's where you could find me.
0: And uh Danny, do you think you'd be willing to come up to Chicago and, and run a shadow run game at the Chicago Board Game Cafe sometime? I think that'd be really slick.
2: Um, you know, if if I find my way up there, um I do have friends there. I lived there uh for three years, two thousand ten to two thousand thirteen. So um
0: yeah.
1: That's totally sick.
0: Yeah, that sounds really promising. Uh, well, thank you so much, Danny. This was great. I'm sorry we have to go so soon, but yeah, you were a truly wonderful guest, and we very much appreciate you. And I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Have,
1: have a, a good great one. Night. Bye. Thanks for listening to Shira Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com, or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressiveofpower.